When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on hosting someone else's party at your house. Who should cover the bill? Setting a dress code for the wedding? And requesting cash for your kid's birthday presents? For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, we talk about sending a condolence card to someone you haven't formally met yet. Plus your most excellent feedback etiquette salute and a postscript segment on travel troubles. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I am almost out of here. You're pretty much gone already. I was pretty much gone two like two 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 work days ago. <laughs> I checked out after I got that proposal done. I was done. I've been telling Lizzie Post all morning that she's halfway to Italy already, <laughs> and I'm stealing your fire. Where are you going? I'm going to Italy. <laughs> How long are you going for? Uh, I think twelve days. I want to say plus then two travel days. So what are you going to do while you're there? So my parents, uh, wonderful retired folks that they are, have a wonderful villa that they rent in Tuscany, and it's called Podre Casace, which means little ugly house. I think that's what I was told it meant anyway. Um, and the woman, our nona, who lives there now, is uh, she's she's I say been with our family, but like my parents have been going and staying at her house, and she lives in the bottom apartment and then there's an upstairs apartment and then there's um, a whole barn that's been converted into two other apartments and she stays in one of them and then they stay in in the other like it just depends on the makeup like who's coming who's staying who's visiting that sort of thing my sister and her family went with them in the spring and my cousin and I are going in the fall so Tuscany and then three days in Rome um, and I actually I get to spend my birthday in Rome so I'm excited and my cousin gets to spend her birthday in Tuscany so it's a really fun really fun trip I'm Sounds excited just terrible I'm so excited for this I'm even debating like we we might get some really big news at work while I'm away and I'm trying I still haven't replied to our agent yet to tell her whether or not I want to receive the news while we're in Italy. Because I'm like, I haven't done the thing where you do a vacation where you totally switch off and you really don't. You put up the reminder. You know, it's like the auto reply. On I've the tried email. putting up auto replies many a time and failed. And that's always comical when I return to work and everyone thinks I'm just ignoring them. Oh, goodness. But I am really excited to go. I am excited to take like a full break, hoping to post a little bit to the higher underscore etiquette Instagram. I want you to enjoy your vacation. I want it to be a real break. Do you hear Lizzie Bose like creeping back to work even now? She's like, oh, I could do a little bit of social media posting while I'm there. Or you could just take a vacation. Yeah, I could I could take the photos and post them once I get back. That's another way to approach it. Or you could just say, I'm going to take a thousand percent vacation <laughs> like a ten thousand percent vacation I'll, I'll figure out a way 
Although I love how invested you are in our shared success here at the Emily Post Institute. I really am. And I, I appreciate, frankly, how hard it is for you to pull yourself away sometimes. And I'm excited for you because this sounds like a really nice trip. It's going to be really, really fun. I'm, I'm very excited to go. Well, before you go anywhere, we have a show to do. We do. Let's answer some questions so that you can fly out of here totally relaxed and comfortable that the Emily Post Institute is in good hands and our audience has shows to listen to while you're away. Andiamo. Yes, that. Let's do it. (laughs) Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. And on Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. We'll answer your questions on the sustaining member site where you can access an ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question today is about hosting at someone else's home, or really hosting someone else's party in your home. Let's take a listen. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My name is Julie, and I really love your podcast, and I really love the insights that you provide. My question is about hosting etiquette. A friend of mine is having a birthday next week and lives in an apartment. He asked if because his space is too small, if he can host the event at me and my fiance's house. 
He's a close friend. We have mutual close friends. So we agreed to it. But then he started saying, so happy you guys decided to host. I then proceeded to ask him, what items is he bringing to the party? He says a couple cases of beer and some chips. Just a note, these are a bunch of friends in their late 20s, early 30s. Ten people he's invited over. Chips and beer isn't sufficient. So my question to you is, by having his party at our house, is it our responsibility to feed everyone and make sure everyone has enough libation? Or are we just opening our home and is is just opening our home enough and it's his responsibility to provide everything else? What does it mean when you open your place? Does that automatically make you the host? Any insight on that would be greatly appreciated. And apology in advance for whispering because I'm in my cubicle at work. So yay for multitasking. Thanks, Lizzie and Dan, and have a great weekend. Ah! <laughs> I love that I'm whispering because I'm in my cubicle at work dialing the etiquette hotline. Number one complaint about coworkers in open office environments, people talking too loudly on their phone, etiquette gold stars all around. We appreciate your love inside voice. voice. Yeah, totally. Oh, man, that's great. Um, but what's not great is the situation that you're in, Julie. Oh, my goodness. So it sounds to me like he was really asking for you to co-host so that he's not throwing his birthday party for himself. But the way that he asked it really came across to you as if he just wants your house to use at a party that he would invite you to probably. You know what I mean? So I think the ask made it sound like you were going to be a guest at the party, but the location was going to be your home. But the the I think what he was really intending was for you to co-host. It sounds that way. Yeah. And I would bring it up to him by saying... I'm a little bit confused about whether I'm the co-host or or a guest and you're using my home. But either way, I think chips and beer, you're probably going to want a little bit more for folks. Do you want help planning this? (laughs) That might be a way to just rather than be worried. And again, you only go this route if you actually want to help and plan it. But I think it might be kind of that okay, this isn't the situation I thought I was in. Let me take it by the reins and kind of direct it to a better place rather than, you know, just kind of calling out the confusion of whether or not this is a hosting, a co-hosting, you know, what's going on here. I agree. And I love that idea of taking it by the reins. However the ask happened, because this gathering is now happening at your house, in some ways, you are a co-host now. And whether you officially issued the invitation or not, I would start to feel the responsibility of I've got people in my home and I'm going to want them to have a positive impression of the experience that they have there, of me. A.K.A. I want it to go well. I want them to feel comfortable. <laughs> exactly. The tenets of good hosting, caring about other people and their experience, whatever confusion this party came out of. And I really appreciate your idea of reconnecting with your now co-host and clarifying what the roles and expectations are. And it might be that this is going to be a chips and beer party and it's just a little more beer and some salsa and you're good to go. Or it might be that you want to step in and start to do some other things here. I also really like Lizzie Post, how you're identifying that there might be some idea behind all of this about not wanting to throw your own birthday party. Yeah. Because you're not you're technically not supposed to. You might be sort of friend riding to the rescue here. And 
whether it was something you would have done on your own or not, having gotten this far in, playing that role a little bit might be a really nice thing to do. And sometimes doing a really nice thing is its own reward and might pay benefits both in terms of the impression your fellow guests get and also your relationship with this person. Try to bring the most amount of uh, kind of positivity and good humor to this that you can. You have to be realistic about your budgets, your time commitments, things like that. And that might warrant a different conversation that's a bit more, I'm going to need you to actually do a little more heavy lifting than chips and, and beer, but I can really make the house look great, which sounds a bit more like what you were hoping for out of the situation. But I think that that if you kind of just come to it with that problem solving and let's make your birthday great kind of spirit with it, it'll be easier to tackle this kind of awkward situation you've been put in. Julie, I hope that this friend steps up and that when you talk to him, you're able to engage him in a way that he participates a little more in that co-hosting role and that you together are able to put on a smashing affair. But what else makes a good party? It's the skill of the hosts and the skill of the guests in making the party fun for everyone. Help everyone around you to have a good time. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is titled, Who Should Cover the Bill? I would very much appreciate your opinion regarding a situation that I experienced recently. My 36-year-old daughter invited me to join her and a friend for an afternoon tea at an exclusive private club in our city. The friend is a member of that club. My daughter and I are not, so we were there as guests. We sat down for iced tea, me, and they, my daughter and friend, ordered a cocktail. I had to leave after an hour because I had to meet some other friends for dinner. As I was leaving, my daughter asked if I was forgetting something. Evidently, both she and her friend expected me to pay for our drinks, even though I was not a member of this exclusive club. I later found out that they both thought that because I was the mother of one of them, I was naturally expected to pay for our bill. I felt confused by this. Sincerely, Susanna. Susanna, I feel you on this because on the one hand, it's very common for like the older generation to take care of tabs, but that is also not just an expectation. I know plenty of people who often take their parents or their grandparents or an aunt and uncle out um, or an older sibling. And so I think you're right to feel that this expectation that they had is a little bit off the mark given this, especially given the situation. You know, now maybe if you had done the inviting and and you had brought them to a place you loved, I would see them being a bit more like, wait a minute, mom, you asked us to come to this place and do this thing with you. We kind of thought you were taking us out. I'm so sorry that we misunderstood. That's one thing. But I think the host is the person who's a member of the club. They might have a conversation with their guest ahead of time and say, you know, I'm happy for us to go eat there. I It'll have to be Dutch treat, but... You know, that's possible to do at this club. It's not only on accounts. Um, 
and so that might be a way to let someone know you're inviting them to the facility, but you don't have the ability to cover this. And I mean, I see that happen all the time up at the golf course where, you know, someone can't pay to cover a round of golf for a guest, but they want to enjoy the round of golf for the guest. So they come to an agreement that, you know, the guest will pay their way. And that's really an okay thing to do. But I what I really don't love is that you've got Are you forgetting something? Well, yeah, I mean, woof. I mean, talk about close closeness pulling I don't want to say class out of it, but like reminding mom, are you forgetting something? But think about the flip side of this. Here are two, you know, adult women 36 who, years old. 36 years old sitting at a table just totally thinking that mom is going to cover this bill. And to their eyes, mom just gets up to like walk away. And so even though I don't think they were necessarily right in having the perspective that they did, they're still having this moment where they thought they were being taken out by mom, even though that was a wrong assumption. And they're like, wait a minute, you can't just walk out. Like what's going on? So you both parties in this were kind of having this moment of, are you off your rocker? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? We have an emerging theme developing in this show yeah. about who's the host. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And looking ahead, it's not going to continue through the rest of our questions, but it's it's certainly relevant here, this idea of who's the host and what expectations come along with playing that role. And in the previous question, we talked about two most common ways that hosts are identified. Who did the inviting and whose turf is the party on. Yeah. The daughter did the inviting. It's on the friend's turf. I think mom is in a very reasonable place here saying to herself, I'm a guest in this situation. (laughs) And something that comes along with being a host is that you usually pay. Yeah. And I can also understand from the perspective of a younger generation that you're just used to, you have this habit of mom mom pays. pays, mom or dad pay. Grandma pays, aunts and uncles pay, because you are entering the adult world here. We're not even talking about mid-20s extended adolescence. We're talking about 30s. <laughs> Where theoretically, I'm thinking people are wanting to— Can you to... hear Dan the dad in here just, like, not wanting to let a child get away with such behavior well, I, I <laughs> or wa- expectation? <laughs> I'm wanting people to want to play adult roles. Yes. No, <laughs> I can hear it. I got you. I, I got oftentimes you. give advice to college students and people in their 20s. Surprise your parents. Yeah. Pick up the tab. Give the card to the <laughs> server early in the evening so that the check never comes to the table and watch the delight. Watch the Treat your the bedroom reaction. at home as a guest room. You know, do the things that like make it seem like you're an adult who has their own life, you know? Okay, but here's here's one thing is that, and I, I get us teasing daughter for being so, you know, assumptive on this, but there is a moment too where both these parties are adults. Mom mom is an adult too. And we're sitting at a place and we're, we aren't exactly sure who the host is. You haven't discussed payment of everything, even though you've got a member of the club there. I think it's still nice for when no one has said anything about it for people to offer or at least inquire about the idea of the bill. If you were going to leave early and just joining them for drinks, take that moment and just say, ladies, you know, I'm, I'm going to take off. Do we want to settle up the bill now? Or would you like me to pay for my drink? That way, if they're going to continue on, as it sounds like they were in this particular situation, but you were going off to have dinner with someone else, you're at least offering to 
cover what you consumed in this moment. And that would be your the gal pal in the situation's cue to stand up and either say, oh, that would be great. Or to say, you know, no, 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 this is my club, my treat. Like, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, and I think that would have been a way for when no one's actually discussed it openly, you to get through the topic. And it's a good thing to keep in mind, you know, oh, wait. I haven't heard what's happening with this. I should check in about it. There's one other sort of level of complexity that I want to acknowledge here, which is that there might be some awkwardness that's resulting from the daughter in this situation feeling like this is something that she has organized on her mother's behalf. She's asked a favor from the friend. Ah, okay. I'm seeing what you're saying. She's sort of thinking of herself as the host and her mother as being the support for that and not wanting to burden the friend if there's been some sort of behind-the-scenes ask, oh, would your club be a place we could do that or I'd love to join you there? It might have been like a favor to go to the club. And but then you don't usually you don't usually assume that the, then the guest is going to and, – and mom in this in that little scenario is definitely a guest because she's not organizing it. She's not setting it up. It's maybe a favor to treat her, but then we have to think about it as treating her, right? So what I'm so. picturing being the correct course of action for the daughter then being is saying, Mom, could I speak with you for just a second? Yeah. I was thinking this would be on us. Could I – Lean on you to pay the tab because kids and parents have those kind of conversations. So that we don't leave it with my friend so-and-so. Yeah. But I would do that in private. I would ask to do it away from the table. I wouldn't – yeah. Ask my mother if she was forgetting something yeah, no, in front of like my friend who's a witness now to a lack of communication, a lack of clarity Between about us. what all this is. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Susanna, we we totally understand why you would have been confused by this situation. And we hope that moving forward, you have some avenues for if it starts to look like you're in a similar situation, how to kind of speak up early and find out the situation and the lay of the land so that either you know what you're being invited to or what the expectations are. And I think having a chat with your daughter about future moments so that you can both recognize it might it you might be treating people one time and you might be getting treated a different time. And that might be a good conversation for the two of you to have. But once the young adults understand that their parents are people, people with habits, moods, and a right to live their own life, and when the parents realize how important it is for the young adults to manage their own affairs, then they can deal with each other as mutually respecting individuals, and their relationships will be healthier and happier. Our next question is about dress codes for weddings. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I am a longtime listener to your show and love that you have made me so much more thoughtful and considerate over the years. I love listening to the show in the car, the gym, and during my workday. I am recently engaged and working on building our wedding website. Best wishes, Yay! good luck, congratulations on the coming nuptials. My question is, is it rude to include the dress code on the wedding website? I was raised in the West where dress is much more casual for weddings and do not usually include a dress attire guide. So I'm a bit new to this. We are getting married in the Midwest where we live, in a formal venue, and are going for formal attire with a black tie option as a dress theme. Should I just flat out include this on the wedding website? Is there any additional sample language I can include to not make it sound demanding? We are so incredibly grateful for all those willing to travel for our wedding. 
and I don't want to force anyone to wear something they aren't comfortable in. We just would prefer to not have any denim on our wedding day. Thank you for your help. Sincerely, Anonymous. Anonymous. This is a great question. And one of the the cool things about it is that because you use the magic words black tie, this means that you actually can put the attire listing on the wedding invitation itself. Attire and RSVP are kind of optional things to put on a wedding invitation, and it just depends on the style of the wedding invitation itself. But attire, really, the only time you typically put it on the invitation itself is when it has to do with black tie. And it is because there's a little more preparation. And the fact that it's optional, I think, is really nice because you put black tie optional on the invitation and people recognize, oh, that's going to be a formal wedding. But if I don't have a a tux, I can wear a suit. And, you know, it's really easy. It actually works really nicely. It's it's one of those magic moments where you're like, oh, this time you can put it out there. And because you're doing optional, you actually put it out there and you kind of cover the other bases well, I would then absolutely on your wedding website put a tire and just say suggestions. And you can say things like, we are having a formal wedding. We know not everyone owns or wants to rent a tux. Um, so that's why we've said black tie optional. But we are hoping for folks to dress up in their very best or in, you know, in their most fun wedding celebratory best, however you want to word it. But you kind of put your intentions out there. I had a friend who got married in southern Vermont, and she really did want people to to embrace the idea that it was black tie optional. And she said, please, 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 if you can wear like a nice long formal dress. And so I chose to do that, you know, but it was it was nice to hear from the bride that that is what she wanted. It was the encouragement to show up at that level of formality. And I think you can do that on your wedding website and you can have black tie optional on the actual invitation. I love how you called black tie optional a magical direction. It's magical. Because I was thinking of it as magical. It is. Those were the words in my mind. I was thinking to myself, I'm such a nerd. I think that that is an exciting thing to see. Yes. You get to get out the tux or that really <laughs> elegant gown or whatever it is that is your height of formality attire. And that's kind of fun. For those of you that don't know, Dan Dan loves his tuxedo and he got it made for his wedding. And he, he does quite look like James Bond in it. And so it's really funny. He's like, Yes, I get to play dress up. <laughs> there is one black tie event in Vermont each year. One, and well, there are there are well, more than that, but one that you would attend. Well, that's like a yeah. that's a that's a social. It's an open social occasion. Yeah. There are plenty of black tie weddings, but it is it, it's an unusual opportunity for me to be able to get dressed up like that. So I I appreciate hearing that. I also think that the way anonymous asked the question about the wedding website is smart because that is exactly the place where. As you say, you can expand on that direction a little bit, give people more of that information, more of that permission and communicate that spirit that, no, we're not trying to force anybody into anything, but we are shooting for an occasion that has a certain level of formality and we'd love it if you could all play along with us. And you can just house that on its own little tab or, you know, under guests where it's a sub subcategory under guests under, you know, you have like lodging and babysitter links or this or that, all the different info for guests and attire suggestions might be something that you put up there too. And as a parting thought, I really want to say, don't think of that as being demanding. You're being a good host. You're helping your guest play their role well. And you get to set the tone for this event. This is a special day and you're putting a lot into it and people are going to want to participate well. And what you're doing is giving them enough information to play their roles really well. And 
you might find a lot of people like me out there who love this opportunity. Anonymous, we hope you have so much fun planning your wedding and that the big day is a smashing success with a lot of people dressed up. And this is where Don and Sue go out for a pleasant evening. Their good grooming habits help them in friendships and in business. For your success depends a great deal on how you look. Our next question is titled, No Gifts, But You Can Bring Cash. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. My elementary school child was recently invited to a birthday party. The invitation stated, no gifts, please, but if you really want to bring something, please bring a $5 bill in an envelope so that Johnny, not real name, can buy whatever he likes. I love the growing trend of no gifts at parties for kids, but is it okay to specifically ask for a certain kind of gift or money? I have seen parties that say no gifts, but if you feel the need to bring something, bring a donation for certain charities, and I think this is nice. My own son had a party once where he requested pet food, and then we made a trip to the Immune Society to make the donation, and it was all very nice. And I have seen baby showers where books are requested, and that seemed appropriate. But this felt different. It felt tacky and wrong, and I was annoyed. Of course I gave the child $5 as requested because I did not want to be the only one who did not give the child $5. But what if we had chosen not to give $5? That would have been okay, right? What would you suggest in a situation like this in the future? Thank you for your thoughts, Anonymous. I love this question. Me too. <laughs> like, I love the, I love the, I was annoyed. I was annoyed. But of course we gave the kid five bucks. A parent confession here. Yeah. I have three birthday parties in the next day and a half. Yeah. I go home tonight for a birthday party. We have one tomorrow morning. We have another one tomorrow afternoon. And we got an invitation to a fourth birthday party that would have overlapped with tonight. Would you be thrilled to just throw five bucks in an envelope and get to walk out the door? Or would you would you are you actually like, no, there's a part of me that wants to make sure we give a gift or whatever type of gift like. The dog food example that Anonymous is giving us right now is like this child had a certain wish for their birthday that was in a kind of like an out of the box wish. And I, you know, I think that's cool. <laughs> My answer to the two questions are yes and yes. Okay. One, I love the permission to not bring a gift just because I recognize the reality of these things stack up on each other. And at the same time, I also think that birthdays are special and there's something really remarkable and sort of essential to childhood about the experience of having a birthday and being celebrated and having part of that be receiving gifts. I don't think that having no gift birthday parties means that you can't have that experience with a child. Mm -hmm. I think you can still do gifts with sort of a closer group of family, maybe even family and friends, Mm -hmm. but that when you're talking about the all-class birthday party or the extended friend circle, the reality that there are 20 kids in this class And if everybody has a birthday party that everybody's invited to, that starts to stack up over the course of a year or years in ways that that relief is also appropriate and appreciated. For me, it brings up the question of do you have to have birthday parties that are always all class, you know, when they are in this young, young age – 
maybe it's that only a couple friends get invited to our family birthday party. Like you said, make it a family and like your two best friends kind of a party. At the same time, larger social events for kids teach them manners. And watching other kids open gifts and the experience of choosing a gift and giving it to someone, I get what you're saying about, you know, well, when you have to repeat that 20 times over the course of a year, But that's also a part of kids socializing. Like birthday parties are a really big part of that. And I feel like there has got to be some kind of a balance that we're going to strike in the next five years, I feel like, because this is a growing trend. This idea of no gifts at parties, this idea of bring just $5 and if all 10 kids bring $5, my kid can get one really great toy. There's the trend of we don't want more stuff. You know, we're sparking joy. We're giving things away. We're trying not to consume as much. We're trying not to have as much need for materialistic things. People are looking towards experiences? How do you ask someone for a gift of an experience? I mean, these are the questions that, you know, Generation X and and Millennial Generation are going to be figuring out for ourselves as we become parents and, and move through the world of parenting. And it's funny how much there is some kind of clashing with traditional etiquette. And we saw the same thing when cell phones came around, right? They were great. We saw the uses, but then we also saw some of the places where it wasn't great. And I think we're going to settle out with kids' birthdays and gifting into a nice place, but I don't think we're there yet. And I think things are still kind of batting heads. And this is exactly that question. You can feel it in this question. Something about this particular ask felt a little tacky. I'm going to put that word in quotes because... Personally, I don't like it because it can sometimes feel a little judgmental, but if it describes what's going on, I think that's I also think at realistic. at some point we also have to be realistic that things are tacky, people are rude, things are crass, and it's not going to be the same for everybody that the point of crassness or the point of tackiness isn't going to look the same for anyone. And we've got to remember it's subjective, but it's real. <laughs> it is. And when that line starts to get crossed and your little sort of etiquette antenna, which are out there sensing these things start to fire or retract yeah. like a snail that touches the thing that they're not going to crawl up on. It's, <laughs> I like that analogy. It, it's worth paying attention to. So what was it about this particular ask? Was it that Johnny can buy whatever he likes? Was it the language that was used? Right. And we don't have that exact language, so it's a little hard to parse and tell. But my thought for parents who are thinking about this is – that you want to be really careful that the no gifts please is a reasonable request to make. If you've made that request, I I like to tell people to be prepared for someone to bring a gift. Anyway, yeah, it just does happen sometimes. Exactly. Maybe they didn't see it or maybe they just can't go to a birthday party without bringing a little something. And if that does happen, you receive it well. If I've said no gifts please, I'm probably not going to then continue with direction for gifts. In some ways, that's maybe where this disconnect Happens. happened in this About particular the bring the case. $5 kind of a thing. Don't bring it. But if you must, bring this kind. And it starts to be not just a, a polite request for no gifts, please, but uh, this is what we want and this is what we want and this is what we want. And this is what we don't want. And that all starts to feel like a 
it's just a bit much. Well, what I think what you're getting at here, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it starts to feel like the generosity of spirit is lacking from the exchange in the gift giving. That there's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's like a high, but there's a happiness that we get in choosing something for someone, giving it to them, seeing them enjoy it, hearing from them that they enjoy it. I mean, this is gift giving. This is why we talk about this, because when this kind of process of exchange that is a generous and well-intentioned exchange between two people gets broken along the way somewhere, whether it's the gift missed the mark or whether it's no thank you was issued for the gift. When it breaks, we feel a little yucky or a little awkward or just a little uncomfortable about the interaction. And I think it's because there is a spirit of generosity that's supposed to be a part of it. And when we start getting away from that spirit and start focusing so much on direction and what's going to serve us, that's when I think we start to lose it. So when you're like sitting there going, I'd be really relieved if those four birthday parties coming up all said I could just bring $5. You're putting the relief and the efficiency of it above the generosity of spirit. When her son is saying, the only thing I want is people to donate dog food to this particular shelter for my birthday, that's actually still a great generosity of spirit that, that I think you can see. I think when you turn around and say, give me cash so I can just get what I want because that's going to make this whole gift-giving thing just simpler, we're losing the generosity of spirit in lieu of direction and efficiency. And it's like, so I can see where in some places we're finding it acceptable or interesting or useful, and in other places it's starting to not mean that. I wonder if kids' birthday parties just won't have gifts in the next 10 years, like if it just won't be a tradition we uphold. Well, in some ways, I think that's what we're seeing. I think the the, the no gifts please direction, which is simple, clear, and increasingly both acceptable and common, is one easy solution for hosts. I think that the very traditional etiquette still holds for all the reasons that you just described, that you don't give a lot of direction about gift giving. And if you do – it really has to be along the, the lines of that themed shower that provides some direction, but it's still very open. It still gives someone a lot of room to choose whatever children's book they want or whatever type of creative toy they want, whatever the theme is that you're really trying to work or develop for a given party. Or you just let people bring whatever it is that they feel inspired to bring. Yep. On the flip side, I'm thinking about the question about the guest and what the guest does. Oh, yeah, especially because now it's an option, right? So if you don't show up with that with the five dollars, would that be okay? If you did show up with a gift instead, would that be rude? And I think, frankly, it's all okay. If the direction says no gifts, or if you must bring a gift, bring five dollars. That gives you two options, and the third option is I just really feel inspired to give a gift. I'm going to ignore all that direction and bring a little something. I think you can kind of get away with that too, and. This is why I love cards, because if you just if you see a a thing like this, have your kid make a really great card for the other child. And I think you're covered and you've put some generosity, some spirit into celebrating like this is is why I love cards. I really do. They're nice. I I don't think you've done anything wrong. If you say I'm just going to bring the five dollars because 
they put that up. kind of been suggested, and I don't want to be the only one left out. I think there's some coherence to that thinking, so you bring the $5. Well, my host offered it. Might as well run with it. (laughs) And I also think that if you really are inspired, there's a particular relationship between your children. You know this person loves a certain thing. You bring that little gift. You don't insist that it's open in front of other people. You give it discreetly. You do it on the side. You acknowledge that you've ignored the no gifts or $5 request and say, I just couldn't help myself. I know how much little Johnny loves X, Y, or Z, so I brought a little something. I'm hoping that you can give it to him later when the party's over. I think if you manage it like that, you're really okay with any of those options. Yeah, it's not like it's a crime of, of consumerism or something, you know, and you can feel the parent on the other end receiving it going, oh, I just wish you just followed the instructions. But it's also on that parent to recognize that someone is giving to their child and that no, the directions weren't followed, but at the same time, it's time to accept a gift graciously, you know, and be glad that not everybody did this, <laughs> you know, but I feel like it's a lot of balance and I feel like it's a lot of, Making a choice that you're going to feel good about while also really trying to respect someone else's requests. Anonymous, we hope this helps. We hope the party went well. And we hope that in the future you have some ideas for how to handle the birthday parties that you're likely to be throwing. Mm-hmm. How did you know? I mean, it's the very one I wanted. Eddie seemed to know what you wanted. He insisted we get that particular one. Eddie, you knew all the time. Well, I saw you ogling it in the store window. I couldn't help see you were crazy over it. And you said you didn't know how to be thoughtful. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. And on Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Younger Sibling. This piece of feedback has to do with episode number 262 where we addressed high school graduation. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I have been an avid listener of your podcast on my walks to work and wanted to offer an additional viewpoint on the question from episode number 262 about whether to attend a sister-in-law's high school graduation your encouragement to celebrate the occasion because of its cultural significance and as an opportunity to build a stronger relationship with her in-laws was true and important. But I would further encourage the letter writer's husband to consider his relationship with his sister and for the letter writer to consider her relationship with her sister-in-law independently and not only as a subset of the relationship with the honoree's mother-in-law. I bet that his sister was present to celebrate him at his high school graduation. Younger siblings participate in many, many celebrations of their older siblings reaching milestones that they have yet to reach. If the older sibling chooses not to show up for the same milestone once the younger sibling becomes the celebrant, it speaks volumes to the younger sibling about how they are viewed and valued by their sibling. I hope that this is not the message that the letter writer and her husband want to send as their sister-in-law enters adulthood. It is sometimes difficult, once we have moved past a milestone, to remember what its significance was to us. But I hope that the letter writer's husband will try. It would be an added bonus if the letter writer chose to attend as well. 
signed younger sibling. This is a really good reminder of how family dynamics work and and how it can just be a part of what happens or it can be more of a, a sting and, and really actually then reaching out and making the effort to support a younger sibling can be incredibly encouraging and honoring and also fair in a lot of ways. There's all kinds of things that happen for different members of a sibling relationship. It is interesting. Like I got so many hand downs. But I also liked a lot of the hand-me-downs I got because in many ways I, I did look up to my older sister. And so when I saw a cool dress that she had and then I knew that in a couple of years I would grow into it. I mean, I was aware of the fact that like I was younger and there were things that she would do. And then when I was her age, I would get to do them. You know, there's like a there's just an awareness of the difference in where people are in life and what they can do. And I remember when she was in college and couldn't come to do everything and celebrate everything with us because she was off living her own life or doing her own thing. So there's part of me that loves getting younger siblings perspective here because it's such a great reminder to show up for your younger siblings and to celebrate them the way you have been celebrated as an older sibling. But I also think that as a, speaking as a younger sibling, there are plenty of moments like that that I just kind of accepted as a, a part of family dynamic. You know what I mean? It's true. There are all kinds of dynamics that are already baked in to sibling relationships, sibling order. And as younger sibling points out here, it's really good to keep those in mind as you think about navigating these relationships, particularly significant moments in those relationships. Younger sibling, thank you for the feedback. You've certainly given us all something to think about. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about something topical. We're going to talk about travel troubles. We're going to help Lizzie Post prepare as she gets ready to jet on out of here. <laughs> Lizzie Post, are you ready for your trip? I just, uh, yes. Good answer. <laughs> Let's talk about some ways that we can all prepare ourselves to travel, particularly when we're planning to travel with others. You and I get to travel alone a lot when it comes to business travel, and we're pretty used to that at this point. You get through things like delays or just simply figuring out where you're going to eat so smoothly because you're the only one. You don't have to, hey, welcome to why I'm still single. Like You don't have to compromise on anything. You don't have to make choices and, and involve other people, and it is fast and it is efficient and it is really different. Um, and I will say, especially as someone who, who lives at home alone, who, who doesn't have to make a lot of the kind of family compromises that you make on a regular basis, negotiating time and food and, and entertainment. It is really different to then travel with a group of people and figuring out the dynamics. And on this particular trip, it's a treat. You know, my parents are treating my cousin and me to this trip. And that is really something I want to be aware of. And they have been so amazing about saying, what would you girls like to do? Because we go to this place all the time. And Carolyn and I, my cousin and I are both sitting there going, we know you guys come to this place all the time. Please show us what your favorite things to do here are. That's already a nice dynamic that we have set up. But that's the host guest dance starting to play out 
right there. Right. But what do you do when things get tricky? Like there are travel delays or, you know, I always imagine the classic scenario where people are debating directions. You've got a group of people and someone said, oh, it's three blocks down, four blocks over. And then you all try to go three blocks down and four blocks over and you don't find the thing you're looking for. And then that's a moment. And people, it's really funny, but they get tense when they're away from their home environment. And three blocks down, four blocks over, no result in the restaurant or the activity that you're going to go do. And it's funny how very quickly people can kind of panic and even doubt when I, I'm picturing my my steadfast cousin here in such a moment saying like, oh, well, we'll just go ask this person then. And but when someone else pipes up and says something like, uh, no, we can't, or but they said it was over there, or go this way instead, or you didn't listen right. It was four blocks down and three blocks right. And it's, you know, it starts to become a thing. And travel can then become so not enjoyable. And we really want to mitigate that with our good old consideration, respect, and honesty, and a little bit of forethought. I think that forethought is so important. You mentioned a couple of the scenarios that come up. And Oftentimes, it's mental preparation. It's just having your headspace adjusted enough that you can stay flexible, stay gracious, keep a smile on your face, even as those little doubts or fears start to play out inside your ability to stay positive, stay engaged with the people around you, and stay flexible. Patient. Patient are all some of your best allies as you encounter what are by definition going to be unexpected occurrences or events, you're putting yourself in new situations. You're putting yourself in places that are unfamiliar to you. They might be exciting places you're happy to be, but theoretically they're going to be new. That's, that's some of the, the idea behind traveling. So picking restaurants, choosing activities, handling expenses can all fall under that category of unexpected as the trip starts to unfold. That mental preparation is, I really think, the first key. I think part of that prep is knowing yourself. A little bit of self-reflection is always good. So, for instance, I'm sitting here thinking about this trip I'm about to start on tomorrow. And I'm kind of taking mental note of where am I good and where am I not good? And I just realized sitting here thinking about it, I'm actually really good following anybody. I, whatever restaurant we want to go to, whatever activity we want to go, I'm a great tag along. And so I'll be really happy when other people choose. But I realize I'm going with my parents who've been to this place many, many times before and are looking for direction from my cousin and me on what to do. I'm also traveling with my cousin who is a very go with the flow, tag along, show me whatever you want to show me kind of person as well. That might actually lead to a number of indecisive moments of everyone saying, so what do you want to do? So what do you want to do? And that is something that tends to infuriate me because I just want something to be done and for us to just go do it. I don't want to sit around for a long time talking about what we might or might not do, what we wear this event, and everyone just says, oh, no, but let's do what you want to do, but let's do what you want to do. That drives me nuts. So one of the things that might be good for us is either for me to think about just taking charge and saying, tell me your two favorites and let's 
let's go to one of those, you know, like finding some kind of quick solution things to solving those. What do we do? Where do we go? Indecisive moments, whether that's saying, tell me your two favorite pizza places or tell me your favorite view to go see. Those kinds of things, I think, are ways that I could probably be encouraging my parents to be giving us a little bit of direction, but still maybe let them feel like Carolyn and I are making decisions. I really like the level of self-reflection that's going on here. And I appreciate your willingness to have some choice be part of the the option or the, the direction that you're giving. So you're saying, I'm interested in X, give me a couple options. And all of a sudden, you're both contributing and also not controlling or dominating. I'm also wondering about those moments where it's okay to say, you know, let's all do our own thing or I'd like a little bit of time to read my book or take a walk so that you can start to carve out that space for doing those things that really are important to you, whether or not they're important to everybody in the group. You know, you talk about carving out time for a walk or a little bit of space for yourself. And I think that's always good. And and whether that comes from in the moment when we're, for instance, like in Florence and some people want to go to this chapel and other people want to go see this market, you know, where you can just say, hey, why don't we both go do those separate things and then meet up later? But also carving out space for yourself because you are traveling with someone, living in the same room as them, sharing the same bathrooms, always going to the same restaurants and things like that, that for me, little things like even a five minute meditation or like you say, like a a little start the day with like a little walk around the block or maybe for me, it's going to be down the driveway of the house that we're staying at, something like that, that's your just you time. And I think that just kind of helps you recalibrate your brain and, you know, for me a little bit remind myself I'm on a trip and I'm with other people and, you know, this is beautiful and it's kind of that little breath. You get like a little breath and I think starting your day in that place or finding some reservation for that place in your day can really help. I do do really recommend meditation. (laughs) I also want to talk about some other things you can do ahead of time that are much more practical, tactical. Sure. I'm thinking about making a plan as far as itinerary, as much or as little as you can set. These are key things we're going to do. We're going to leave this much time for free time. We're going to be sure to honor these start and end dates, whatever it is that you, you figure out what your landmarks are in terms of your itinerary, but that you also talk about expenses. Yeah. And that can be hard to do. In fact, it's oftentimes something that people want to avoid talking about. So they put it off to that moment where it's problematic or causing an issue or difficulty, make a plan ahead of time for how you're going to share expenses and decide on what your budget is and how that plays into what you've decided about sharing expenses. So you know if you have any room along the way to say, I'd love to treat to a dinner tonight or I'd love to invite us all to do this and I'm willing to cover it. But you've got some idea both what's possible for you, what your budget is, and what you've already agreed on ahead of time so that you can feel really comfortable along the way with whatever comes up as far as finances. There are so many different elements to travel and traveling with others that could lead to a big blow up or someone behaving irrationally in ways that, you know, you just aren't used to seeing them. And because you're putting them in a completely different environment, you're probably just stretching or, or or pulling at their comfort levels with things like experience and expenses and and even biorhythms, right? Like just our, our waking and sleeping cycles and, and where we feel and, and how we're handling food and everything like that. Very easy for people to blow up more easily, to have larger than life reactions and maybe even be embarrassed. And so the very final thing that we want to 
arm ourselves with when we travel with others is our best apology and our best ability to say, I'm really sorry for blowing up like that. I don't quite know where it came from or I know where it came from and I'm just sorry. I really want us all to have a great trip. And almost every trip I've ever been on, at some point, someone's if if there has been a blow up, that someone has said something like that. You know what I mean? And you know what pairs really well with an apology? Glass of wine? No. I was going to say forgiveness. Oh, oh, that goes well too. Yeah, sorry. I'm already in Tuscany. Forgiveness and forgetfulness because... Thank you so much for that apology. I really appreciate it. And now it's a new day or a new afternoon or a new evening. (laughs) And I really want you to enjoy that glass of wine. Cousin Lizzie Post, have a great trip. Thank you. Thank you. We like to end our show on a high note. So we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. And today we hear from Amy in San Francisco. Dear Awesome Etiquette team, I want to give a shout-out to an amazing family friend, Lynn. I have known Lynn since I was four years old, and she and my mother have been close my entire life. Recently, my mother has been struggling with health issues, and Lynn has been there not just for her, but for me, my father, my brother, and whole family, going out of her way every chance she can to help us out. Recently texting her about a scare we had, I was blown away by her kindness, warmth, and positivity. It helped me in a truly hard moment, and it helps to know I have support as we go through a very difficult time. Thank you. Sounds like Lynn is truly an amazing friend. And thank you, Amy, for sharing this salute with us. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share the show with friends, family, and coworkers on social media or wherever you share your podcast. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst, that's I-N-S-T, and at Lizzie A. Post, that's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also support this show by leaving us a review or rating us highly. This helps other people find the show. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.